comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 27 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in The Rambler, I will be hosting Carmen Brandy. My struggle with depression is like a double-edged sword where on one side, it's just like I can experience the most high of joy. Like I'm anybody, if you talk to anybody in my community or friend group, you know, I'm the person that's like the loudest, most outgoing, you know, fun person to be around. But um, on the other side, I can be just like the depths of despair. Don't talk to me. I'm not coming out of my room. Uh, just pray for me. <laughs> That'll be here tomorrow. I just feel, I think maybe it's also just a part of like who I am as an artist, but I just feel so deeply. Mm. Um, so I feel the, the most deep, beautiful emotions and joys of life um, and I'm so great at just being in the moment and being in the now. I really enjoyed the interview with Carmen. I serve on the board of Tennessee Voices for Children and I hear stories of kids and teens and some of the struggles they face in school and life. Being willing to share your story like Carmen did is not always easy, but it is very impactful. I think people are beginning to realize the quicker they reach out for help and are willing to be transparent about their struggles, the better off they will be and more than likely they will be helping others in the process. I know you will get a lot out of this interview, and if it does not speak to you directly, it will help give you insight and understanding into what others around you might be dealing with and working through. Carmen will play a song at the end of this episode, so make sure to hang around for that. She also played one at the end of episode 26, so make sure to go check out that one as well after you listen to this interview. Now a word from the local nonprofit of the month, Community Care Fellowship. This is Ryan Lesseur, the Executive Director of Community Care Fellowship. Hey, what's up, Ryan? It's Andrew. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Well, hey, uh, just want to give you a, a moment to share one of the programs with the uh, with the nonprofits you're, you're leading. Yeah, I appreciate it, Andrew. One of the brand new programs that we've started is our career counseling program, and that came out of just some conversations with some of our partners trying to figure out where the gaps are in homelessness and getting them back onto the work site. And so we launched it this fall and started it very, very organically with volunteers who had worked as job career coaches that meet with them one-on-one -on -one and help them kind of see themselves through God's eyes, see their gifts, see their talents. And then our original idea was just to plug them in with career corporate sponsor so different organizations and companies came alongside us and said we will give them an opportunity at a career if you, they will go through your counseling program but just this month we had a social enterprise called unlocked that teaches formerly homeless individuals who have just moved into housing how to make jewelry and so they will fit the gap of job training program and it will be within the bounds of grace. So it'll be an environment where they can learn to be on time, to be productive, to 
take constructive criticism. And then we just recently had an opportunity to start renting affordable housing from Urban Housing Solutions. And so very quickly, we can take somebody that has, we've met their immediate needs through our immediate need programs, and then they enter our career counseling program, and we can give them an opportunity at a career and at permanent housing and really start making an impact on the homelessness cycle. Man, that's awesome, dude. I love that. I know we've had a, a few conversations, and it's been pretty neat to just see the uh, the growth that you're impacting the, the nonprofit and all they're doing. So uh, that's cool. Well, hey, um, I will give you a shout, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, another program you got going on. So thanks, uh, thanks for your time. All right, brother. Have a great day. All right, man. Now sit back and lean into Carmen's story. Hello, Nashville. Today I am in Brentwood at Crockett Park, and it's a beautiful day for a podcast. In a camper, that is. Would yes. you agree? I'm sitting here with uh, Carmen Brandy. Yes, that um, is my name. That is her name. And I, I don't know, every time I say a name, I'm thinking I'm going to mess it up. You can't really <laughs> mess that one up. But yeah, yesterday, actually the last few days, it's just been like, I think it was 30-something yesterday. It was snowing yesterday. Oh, my gosh. It was nasty. So today it's sunny, 50-something. I don't have heat or anything on in the, in the Rambler. Nope. So it's perfect. So uh, it's actually almost too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carmen, tell me a little bit about yourself, like in a couple of minutes, not everything, just a snippet. <laughs> sure thing. My name's Carmen, and I like long walks on the beach. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes. A little bit longer. Yes. <laughs> yes, my name is Carmen, and I am based in Franklin, Tennessee, which is about 15 minutes south from good old Brentwood. I'm a singer-songwriter. I um, play folk music with a lot of faith-based concepts and ideas, and my open diary is my music. <laughs> cool. I've been in Nashville for a little over five years now, and it was the best decision I've ever made to move here with my family. So I'm very blessed and uh, life is good right now. Cool. Cool. All right. So I'll jump into a, uh, a speed round. I Hit say me. it hesitantly because I just told her I'm kind of changing it up, but we'll go with the speed round this go around. All right. So you've lived in Nashville for five years. I'll answer that question. Why'd you choose Nashville? My dad is a musician and singer songwriter and my entire life, I grew up around his obsession and love for all things Keith Green, which is like, you know, the rock star of Christian, early Christian rock music, um, and the Bee Gees and Billy Joel. So I um, was very much inspired uh, by him and his love of music. And he always wanted to move to Nashville, but just never got around to do it. So make a long story short, um, about five years ago, we... We st or six years ago, we stopped in Nashville um, on the way back from seeing family in Ohio, back to Florida, where we're originally from. That's when everything changed. I met some people at a show one night that... Um, Where'd you say you're originally from? I'm from Tampa Bay, Florida. Okay. All right. So met some people on our only night there who saw something in me, wanted to work with me. And um, after we went back to Florida, I kept contact with them and, you know, continuously mm -hmm. wrote with them. And, um, like a year later we made the move, um, after just 
continually connecting and writing. And over the course of that year, before we made the move, I started recording a record in Texas and San Antonio. And Mm. we made regular trips to Nashville for networking for my music. And then my dad also got accepted into law school. Okay, wow. So up here, so. Oh, wow. Yes, we're we're both pursuing a dream. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, Is he pursuing music? Well, he's still doing the music stuff, right? I guess a little bit. He's it's not his like full fledged Mm -hmm. pursuit. He doesn't like go perform out Mm -hmm. anymore. But um, he still plays and he still writes. um, But law school pretty much takes up ninety nine percent of his time. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And what community did you land, and why did I choose that location? I come from a small town in in Tampa. I live in a little place called Safety Harbor, or I lived in a little place. And um, when my parents were looking for a home to purchase, we came across Franklin, and it really reminded us of the small town that we lived in my whole my whole adolescent life. So they just loved it. Um, we loved the community there, and people were so friendly and loving. So it was a good and place. And you for still us. love it? I'll oh my right. gosh! I never yeah. want to leave. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. Um, actually, so Tampa Bay, my wife had an aunt that managed a trailer park in Bradenton. Yeah, and Bradenton, Florida. And I actually, Florida. I proposed to my wife on Siesta Key in oh, Sarasota. Oh, great place to propose. It is. Beautiful. Beautiful beach. Um, so favorite genre of music? Ooh, that changes regularly. But I'd say my favorite kind of music right now is definitely things in the folk pop world. So, yeah. Do you listen to different stuff to kind of inspire you to? For sure. I listen to a lot of 70s rock. That takes up a lot of my my time. I listen to a lot of like just commercial music today because I think Mm -hmm. that as a songwriter, it's good to stay um, like present with like what's popular, what's like marketable and commercial. I don't allow that to affect my own writing, but Mm -hmm. I think it's good to stay conscious of what people are listening to today. And then I tend to write music that i feel like people actually need to hear yeah, sometimes that's cool. i like that so um all right so tell me one thing uh, unique about yourself that that most people don't know hmm well a lot of the unique things i do i've shared in the past month with my kickstarter <laughs> one thing that i really love is poetry i have been writing poetry since i was a little little lad and to this day, I just, I just wrote a really long poem last night. I think I'm good at it. I, I, I have a lot of friends who have degrees in, like, English studies and have mm-hmm. gone to very prestigious schools. I don't, by any means, have a degree in, like, literature, but I think I'm okay at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, thinking about your dad being in law school and then being a musician, now, you are pursuing music. Do you sometimes have the pressure of, going to college or are you like well, I actually am in okay. college okay. I'm a junior um in college right now and okay. I got my associate's degree here in town and then I do an online school okay um I love education if it were up to me I would be in like classes I love the experience of you know being a student and listening to a professor um just love that my first two years community college Sincerely, it changed my life. You know, I had done online high school and graduated a year early, and I really lost the aspect of sitting in a classroom with your peers and mm-hmm. hearing um, a teacher present an idea or concept or the history of something. There were a couple of professors at my school that just truly changed my life, and that 
I know I'll have relationships with till yeah. I'm very old. Yeah. It's funny. I, I got a, a birthday message from um, one of my second grade teachers who <laughs> we all love. And oh. it was so nice, you know, because she was just talking about, you know, she's proud of me and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Mm. And she knows she impacted a lot of lives, um, which her son was in my class as well. But she, oh, was, wow. she was actually, she recently moved to Florida. So we got to see her like last year. I How think. precious. Yeah. So one of the most exciting places you visited. Mm. Well, define exciting. I think what I define as exciting might be different from what whatever others you, might. you define exciting. Um, yes, I think that one of the my favorite places in the world, besides Franklin, Tennessee, is San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I have some family there, and I love Texas. But I'm particularly a fan of San Antonio because um, of its like desert terrain i'm a huge fan of all things cacti and succulents Mm -hmm. and just like dry loving plants i think i've counted recently i have 14 plants in just my bedroom alone so i'm quite the fan i've been to um a bunch of cacti nurseries there that it's like you walk around and you're like wow yeah god what kind of drug were you on when you made this (laughs) So I, I every time I go there, I'm just like a little kid yeah. walking around. Have you been to like Arizona and seen the massive tall? I so would desperately love to. I think that after I graduate from, I'm 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 going to Arizona State University online. Okay. So okay. I think that um, in my senior year when I graduate, I'll I'll go to my graduation yeah. um, just because I yeah, that's cool. I want to see it. Yeah, well, I drove through a couple years ago. And I remember on the phone talking to my wife, and I'm like, "Oh man, they're so big!" And it was. I drove Phoenix and then zipped up to hit I-40. And so I stopped. I was like, well, let's just stop and take a picture. Well, I get out and I'm like, oh, my God, these things are like (laughs) 20 feet tall. And I'm thinking they were like six. It was odd. Yeah. uh, yeah. Now we'll dive into the interview. (laughs) So thinking back to your younger years, what influences did your family and environment have on you? For sure. Well, as I said previously, my dad has always, you know, dabbled in music, been very passionate about worship. Just grown up around that. I'm an only child. I have a very, very close relationship with both my mom and dad, and I'm very blessed for that. They just always encouraged me to uh, to play some kind of instrument. When I was younger, my dad um, wanted me to play piano because he's an amazing pianist. And uh, that wasn't something that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was kind of more of a chore than something that I actually, you know, wanted to sit down and do in my free time. So after a couple of years of them kind of, you know, not I wouldn't say forcing, but, you know, overly encouraging (laughs) you to, you know, be You woke up and there was a piano beside your bed. (laughs) Right. Um, I eventually, you know started to be passionate about a lot of other things like horseback riding and ice skating. I was a very athletic child. And eventually, you know, my parents, when I was born, they named me Carmen because in Latin it means song. Okay. So they, they really, they really want this music. Right, thing. right. <laughs> no, music is something they are both, they love and then they're both passionate about. And um, I'm so blessed that they are because even though I, you know, took a different route and, you know, kind of just did the sports thing. Um, I came back to it around 11 and started playing piano again, started picking up my dad's guitar. And uh, after that, that's when I kind of started uh, reigniting my desire to, you know, 
being uh, an instrumentalist and musician. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what what made you do it at eleven? Like what what do you think? Did you get tired of the sports or? <laughs> you know, we had. There are probably a combination of things. I at that point I started to listen to music more seriously. You know, when I was like eight or nine, I didn't like turn on music mm-hmm. to to just listen to. Um, at that point, I was starting to grow like a musical palette and things that I liked. And you know, I remember turning on songs and thinking to myself like. I want to play that song and I would start learning covers of some of my favorite artists at that time and that just began once you learn covers then you know chords and once you know chords you can start to put your own words to them mm-hmm. so I just began to do that and um I think that's what what got me yeah. rolling yeah that's cool I mean just neat to think you know I always think this in perspective of me being a parent and one your kids are watching what you're doing you know for sure but and two, you can't push them so much, yeah. you know? So yes, yeah, that balance between encouraging and, um, yeah. Um, but then I think also maybe seeing a talent in your kid too, you know, they for sure. Yeah, that. they for sure did. Um, and they were extremely wonderful when, when I was you know tired of just doing it because my parents wanted me to, they encouraged me to do other things that mm-hmm. I was more interested in. So it was never like they were, Carmen, you play piano now. <laughs> right. And then I tell you, did, so did they move to Franklin to, for you pursuing music? Pretty much. You know, we had a business in Florida that was very successful. And, um, you know, God took that business away from my dad. And there was really no reason for us to stay in Florida. Mm-hmm. And my dad, you know, felt that he had always had a lifelong dream of pursuing his, you know, doctorates in law. And um, he said, well, if I get into law school... Uh, we'll move. Well, and they wanted to move for my music no matter what, but it was that much more of a incentive yeah. to pick up everything and go yeah. start pursuing some dreams. That's so cool. I mean, I love, I love that. I mean, actually, I'm sure your dad's got a pretty cool story. Just a little bit that you've said. You he know? really does. And then pursuing. Uh, so we'll have to have him. He's definitely an entrepreneur. <laughs> part two. That's cool. What are some pivotal markers in your life that helped shape who you are today? Hmm. I'm in a pivotal time in my life, yes. even now. Um, I would say the move was definitely a pivotal time in my life, mm-hmm. just because I moved on my birthday. I was 14, and I turned 15 on my birthday. I can't. I know. I don't know if this is bad, but I can't recollect a, re- recollect mm-hmm. a lot before then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, I, I have vague memories of my childhood, and and they're there. Like, yeah. I, I feel them in my mind, but I feel like you're you know, teens really is when you start to experience things and you're becoming an adult. And that's when I really, I think, started to become who I am today in the very early stages, obviously. So the move was definitely a pivotal time for not only me, but my entire family. I think I got into this program when I was 16 called the GPS Project. And um, I was very young and impressionable, and I always called myself, like, the little sponge. And all this information was being thrown at me by these publishers on Music Row. And they were giving me advice and wisdom, and um, I just felt like I was soaking it all in. Some of it was good, some of it was bad. But that was a pivotal time because I was in meetings almost every week mm-hmm. with people who had literally given thousands of artists, number ones. Mm. So it was overwhelming. And, um, 
I was very grateful for that experience. How'd you get connected with that? It was my um, performing rights organization. I'm with ASCAP, basically like CSAC, ASCAP, and BMI are three like performing rights organizations in Nashville. If you're a songwriter, you align with one of them and then that's how you get paid for your music and distribution and streaming services. I had a representative there who was just very much um, saw the potential in what I was doing even then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was still pretty, pretty rough. She nonetheless put me in the program and... It was probably the best decision, uh, not not of her life, but of like my life, just mm-hmm. having the faith to go through with that. Cause, you know, her reputation was on the line putting me in that right. program um, because, you know, I was the youngest ever chosen. Most people wow. were like, you know, 26 to 30 who were in the program. And I'm just this little 16 year old walking in. But it was amazing. Mm. It was truly a pivotal Which time. I can imagine, you know, as we dive more into your story, the pressure that that just itself had to put on you. Absolutely. You know? All right. So tell me about a person who had a huge influence in your life and um, who is someone now that's uh, currently making an impact on you. It's mm, a good question. Well, I think of immediately I have two people in the past, someone who she's still very much um, in my life today, but I had a mentor at my church in Florida who I've now I've now known her for probably like eight or nine years, but she just nonstop in the transition of me, you know, leaving my community in Florida and picking up everything and, you know, building a community in Nashville. She was a vital, vital person in my life for just my health at that point, my mental health. And my dad was very much struggling at that point in our lives. Clearly, you know, he lived there the most of his life and, um, had a very successful business. So the loss of it and then the fear of moving and not knowing what you're going to really do financially in another place altogether, Mm -hmm. no family, no support system. He was definitely going through the ringer. So her name, I call her mama Kim, but her name is Kim Leonard. And she, um, was just in my church community. And like, if it wasn't for her, I, I don't think I'd be the person I am today, but someone in my present day, And I've known her almost the entirety of um, my time in Nashville is uh, my manager. Her name's Leah Lawrence, and she has just been influential, not only in my music, but just my personal life and my growth with my relationship with the Lord and just my growth as a person. Mm -hmm. She um, she's like been there for me in so many weird places like the highs and then the depths of the valley. I remember there's this one time I had just flown back from Florida and I had made some really bad decisions that that week that I was in Florida, not even an hour off of getting off my flight. I drove up to East Nashville and she was there with me and we walked around all of East Nashville. And I just remember literally I couldn't even walk anymore and I had to sit on the curb because I was so distraught. And she just sat with me on the side of the road crying Mm. so she's been there for for all of the seasons in my life and um sometimes i just feel like i don't deserve her because she's so gracious and caring she's like she's like another mother role Mm -hmm. both of them are so yeah a little angel in your life for sure yeah um it's uh yeah it's important to have people like that in your life when you're going through those experiences for sure absolutely all right so a pause, a shout out, one of your favorite restaurants and favorite nonprofits. Ooh, I love this question. <laughs> um, okay, so my favorite restaurant. Mm, I eat at a lot of places. Okay. So 
this is going to be so hard. But I think that the immediate one that comes to my mind, and I've been going there for years, and it's so good. It's more of a breakfast brunch place than it is like a sit-down dinner restaurant. Okay. But it's called The Coffee House, mm-hmm. and it's uh, The Coffee House on 2nd and Bridge. It's in downtown Franklin. Um, it's just like this little secret I've had for years Mm -hmm. and it's it's starting to get more growth and more people are knowing what it is but it's just this old home that they renovated into a little you know breakfast joint and um literally it's still all bedrooms like there's no open space it's just all bedrooms and you know living room spaces and it's so quiet and Mm -hmm. uh just it's great for all things crepes lunch breakfast coffee all of it yes coffee house on second bridge love them and um what was the other Non-profit. question? Nonprofit. Ooh. Hmm. I did um, a school project on a nonprofit here that's pretty prominent. It's called One Generation Away. And they basically just, it's like a, they collect food and they hand it out to the homeless in different um, communities in Nashville that just don't have the means to purchase groceries every week. It's like a very prominent nonprofit okay. in the Nashville area, um, but they're amazing. And I've been to their warehouses and filmed for my school a bunch of what they do and who supports them. Like Chris Tomlin is a huge supporter of One Gen Away and they're amazing. I always see their trucks okay. all around Franklin because they're just always. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. So and there's so many nonprofits. There are. I like it because I guess it kind of goes off one generation away of making an impact and change yeah. in their life, right? Yeah. Graceworks is another good one that's okay. in Franklin. It's a, a vintage thrift store and um, they hire at-risk kids. Um, they hire um, impoverished uh, impoverished community people mm-hmm. and um, all of their proceeds pretty much go. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for the lawnmower. Um, So if you do hear something, somebody's mowing the park, the the leaves. Now we'll dive a little deeper into uh, what was intriguing about your Kickstarter video, which everybody can check that out later. Um, So share kind of a struggle you've had along your journey. Um, What effect did it have on your life and how did you come out a better person? Hmm. I've had a lot of struggles, (laughs) As, as as we all do. No, and, I don't. Um, I don't ever have any struggles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yes, okay, I do. If it makes you feel better, yeah, you <laughs> um, Every day. But I'd say the most prominent struggle that I, I'm even dealing with now is just depression. I wouldn't be, I know that I have clinical depression, but I wouldn't be surprised if I had like manic depression, honestly, mm. because it comes in such severe spouts in my life where my struggle with depression is like a double-edged sword where on one side, it's just like, I can experience the most high of joy. Like I'm anybody, if you talk to anybody in my community or friend group, you know, I'm the person that's like the loudest, most outgoing, you know, fun person to be around. But um, on the other side, I can be just like the depths of despair. Don't talk to me. I'm not coming out of my room. Uh, just pray for me. <laughs> That'll mm-hmm. be here tomorrow. I just feel, I think maybe it's also just a part of like who I am as an artist, but I just feel so deeply. Mm. Um, so I feel the, the most deep, beautiful emotions and joys of life um and i'm so great at just being in the moment and being in the now but i also can just feel like what is purpose why mm-hmm. am i here mm-hmm. on this forsaken rock i literally wrote a poem like that last night really? <laughs> it's so unfortunate i it is you know 
it's made me do completely irrational things like wanting to take my own life at points it's just something that I'm, I struggle with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that to a point, I might, I might always struggle with it. But my relationship with the Lord has been constant. And um, he's always been there, always at the right at the right point. And he, he's always here. It's just that sometimes um, I, I have a hard time coming to him because of just the shame right. of my life. Um, which he's like, you don't have to come to me. I don't like see you. And i'm here all the time oops sorry um but sometimes just sitting down to pray is like a feat in Mm -hmm. itself for me i mean just to acknowledge his presence is a lot but i know he's here and i know he's always with me and um sometimes it just takes me time to let him work and move in my life because i so desperately am a like i can do it myself Mm -hmm. don't help me Mm -hmm. you probably are your perfectionist I would yeah, <laughs> I would say for sure. I know other people might not say com- entirely, just because I'm okay when things aren't perfect. Right, it probably depends on yes, because I'm I'm a perfectionist in certain things, but not in others. Yeah, you know, or, absolutely. Um, there are there are things in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm fine with that not being perfect. Mm-hmm. But the things that I really really care about, um, I have a hard time letting anybody do them for me because if it's not how I would do it, then anybody else's way is not going to be as good. <laughs> yeah. Which I know is completely not the case. It's just, again, it's just an issue, you know? Yeah, I've always had the thought that um, there's always multiple ways to do, you know, something. My way is usually the best, but <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> there's still, it's, hey, here's the goal. How do you get there? So when you like, when you get to, you know, a depressing point, like, do you have kind of a strategy? Like, what do you do to, you know, like, do you have a strategy to know, all right, I'm here, here's some triggers, and then, all right, here's plan, you know, A, B, and C to make sure I don't go down this path. You know what I mean? Like, do, yeah. you, do you do that? Yes, yes and no. Um, One, I am very much aware of what triggers me if you Mm -hmm. will i have multiple things in my life that have like deeply set rooted emotions in me that if if i feel those things um or if i'm put in in instances where those things are either being spoken about or emotions that i'm feeling towards other people i'm being very vague but some of those things are like i have a like a lot of deep set pain at the hands of men um you know i i've experienced a lot of pain um from just abusive men that's something that i i have to continually heal and work on because like i love men Mm -hmm. (laughs) i have my love my dad my dad's an amazing man but just continually giving grace to people who, who might not even be aware that i have a lot of resentment and pain mm-hmm. towards towards maybe not them individually but just like right. the general right. <laughs> idea of men. Yep. so that's one um i have you know my single that's out right now called good enough i have just a lot of issues with uh, self-worth feeling as though like what do i say that's any more interesting or remotely helpful as anyone else has to say. Right. Like, what is it about me that, like, makes me inherently different from what you have to say or what anyone else has to say? Like, what's the point? We're all just, like, talking heads in this big old world. And that's probably one of the most severe of them all because that's, like, the general idea, right? But I just have rabbit holes and rabbit trails that just, like, happen all. Like, well, if you have nothing 
that's of worth to say or worth to bring to the world, then what is your like purpose? Is there even mm. a purpose for like my life here? Like, you know, if, if, if eternity is this beautiful, perfect place, then I don't want to keep being here. Like I struggle every single day just to get up out of bed sometimes and to, to, to be happy, mm-hmm. to be a functioning human in society. What's the point if I'm just going to struggle in every agonizing mm-hmm. moment? So do you, do you, um, obviously it's self deprecation, <laughs> yes. right? And I can say that because, you know, as you're like, I've, I've over the last oh, probably six months, like I've asked some questions and you know, some of that, like, I don't, I don't deal with, any depression, but yet there's still lack of trust. You realize sure. lack of love growing up, detachment, you know, Absolutely. these things that like, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's why I do that, you know, and so recognizing these triggers, but having a conversation the other day, and this was like pertaining to doing some stuff in work that is boring that I don't like. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, but man, self-control, I struggle with that. So I probably won't do it. Well, just in that moment, it's like, you're literally just telling yourself you're not going to do it. It's literally. Like, Stop yeah. doing that. Like, and the, and I haven't, I haven't created a habit yet of, you know, um, words of affirmation, like, you know, Same. I'm good enough and I'm smart enough, a dog on it. People like me, right? You, <laughs> right. Did you ever see that on yes. SNL? Yes. But, you know, I'm hearing more and more stories of how impactful that is of just, you know, changing the, what do you call it, brain pass for lack of terminology. Right. But, like, is that something that you've practiced? Yeah, there have definitely been points in my life where I've had to not only, you know, write down who I am and who the Lord has called me to be and how he sees me, but also... I've had to, at points in my life, just sit down in the mirror and Mm -hmm. just tell myself, you are worthy of respect. You are worthy of patience for yourself. And you need, you need grace right now Mm -hmm. for yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like my harshest critic. I'm the hardest on myself out of anybody. I definitely do that. And I probably don't do it enough. The, The thing is, is like, I know, I know I'm a wonderful human. I know that I have a lot to, to bring to people. Very well spoken. Um, I, you know, I, thank you. I, I do love myself, but in moments, um, and this is why I was saying, I feel like I feel I'm not an undiagnosed manic depressed person in moments. It's like all of that is gone and all that is on display is what's wrong with me. In reality, like all humans have issues and things that they don't like about themselves. Um, but it seems as though like some people are able to say, okay, you know, the good and the bad, we can have a balance. But I remind myself that like at the end of the day, I'm all I am as a person trying to do my best and mm-hmm. to love people well. And me, um, the way that my brain works is some days I'm like, I love people so well and I appreciate just that I get to live here. You know, I woke up today. I have a song called I woke up today and, um, other days it's like you're literally talking to yourself in the mirror that you're a great person Mm -hmm. why (laughs) like what's the point (laughs) Um, is this really gonna help you and those are all lies i know they're all lies from from evil and from the devil um and i completely know that i entertain probably way too many thoughts in my mind Mm -hmm. that come straight from just like the pit of hell right um but that's just something i have to actively work on and I'm still very much in the process of uh, really like reconfiguring my brain and how Mm -hmm. it communicates to itself yeah 
Yeah, it's a, a crazy wild thing, isn't it? The yes. brain. Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, and, and just realizing a few things over the last like six months and going, I'm 42. <laughs> and, I, and talking to my nephew and my niece recently and knowing that they have a similar story from, you know, childhood. And, you know, I'm just trying to make an effort to be like, so this is what I learned. And I'm pretty certain you're doing the same thing, you know, and to be loving and encouraging to them because it's like, hey, you don't have to be 40 before you figure this out. You know, I agree. You can, you know, obviously you think a lot, way too much. (laughs) You're totally right. (laughs) You know, but then, um, yeah, and I think it's so important, which I'm I'm assuming that you have a group of friends and that you're able to that to, to that they love you just like your manager does to yeah. hear you and say hey you know what i am here and oh, yeah. and you're like oh crap i just had the same conversation with you like a week ago do they really want to hear it again but it's like <laughs> yeah they're there for you yeah. right i you know i was on the phone with my producer last night and he said something really lovely he was like i just want you to take a moment and he's like close your eyes put your hand on your heart i felt like he was leading me in a meditation mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like oh. i want you to just he was talking about my friend mason who's like my best friend and he was like i just want you to think about her and think about how much she loves you because see i i tend to not really acknowledge the fact that people do love me mm-hmm. and i think that's just a part of my depression that it, it like alters the way that i understand people's love for me because i would say that i have an abnormal amount of friends and mm-hmm. like a community that is probably like the strongest that i know out of my my own friends groups mm-hmm. you know like i have probably like 10 people which i think is a lot in my mm-hmm. life that would be there for me with anything mm-hmm. um no matter the hour and um i know that they love me but sometimes like i literally have to close my eyes put my hand on my heart and truly reflect on the love that I feel for my friends because my emotions can be so overwhelming and severe and they totally block or shade anything that is true, that mm-hmm. is real, that is valid and just like are lies. And that's all I can reflect on in the moment. So he was just like trying to remind me, like remember specific instances of your friendship where you have felt such, such love from her. And I ha- I have to do that more often. Um, because in the moment when I'm with my friends, I feel it. Like, it's hard not to, you know? Yeah. yeah. But sometimes when you're alone with your own thoughts, it's, yeah. you can forget. Well, it's interesting. As, as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking, you know, it's a, a cool analogy is like you have all these life ropes. That's not really a good word, but <laughs> ropes, right? And so when you're going down to that dark area, it's like, all right, you got to have those ropes to pull. You know, the mm-hmm. strategies of like, all right, this friend or, you know, recently I started journaling. Mm-hmm. And... I'm, I have never really consistently done it, but I've even yeah. found in the last week and just doing it, it's it it's keeping things top of mind. One, the positive things, but two, okay, I want to grow in this area. So if I'm journaling about it, it's a reminder that, all right, so this happened this morning and now it's, you know, 12 hours later. Well, you don't need to forget the fact that you did make this decision down here. So journaling about it is keeping it fresh and going, all right. It's a new day tomorrow. Yeah. I can't be, uh, I I am going to struggle with discipline and self-control. However, I'm going to have that grace and just, you know, because I I kind of, I I started, um, I kind of hesitate to say it because I want to, 
I want to surprise my wife. But basically, I've started a journey, a journal. It's called The Journey to Love. Mm. And it's exploring loving my wife and the kids. I love you know? that. And so. It's beautiful. Um, but in it, it, yeah, it's just realizing that, man, there's a there's a, a detachment and different things that, yeah. you know, that that I, I'm glad I've explored now. But now it's journaling about it and realizing, oh, crap, I, I spoke too many unharmed unkind words you know but now all right it's a new day let's you know yeah so i think that's yeah i mean that's a lot of what you have to do is just have that grace a lot of grace for yourself yeah you know and move forward so absolutely there's this quote that i love and i i'm gonna try to remember it clearly but it was like this is the gospel we are more broken and we are more broken than ever but more but we're covered by grace like and then some like Mm -hmm. i wish i'll have to like find the quote but um it was basically just giving the idea that like we are bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're not great but christ has the ability to transcend Mm -hmm. any and all sin and uh, that is this truly the saving grace i feel that uh a christian you know he did kind of change paul too right yes (laughs) you know i mean well, and you know, and here's another thought too, uh, just sitting here and hearing your story and I'm 42, you're night 20. 20. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, people are listening, take the time to invest into, you know, the youth to the college people. And I mean, it's, I think it's sometimes it's sitting down, taking the time to pull stuff out of them. Like I hung out with my niece and, you know, the more we hung out and the more we talked, the more she opened up, it sometimes takes sitting through a little awkwardness to, you know, to ask the questions and just know, you know, how to dig because I mean, I think social media has kind of taken, taken a little bit of that way and the technology and yeah, it's, it's, you think you're getting your needs met through that when the reality is, is that it can be good. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of cool yesterday as I was going through and, you know, and everybody's like, Oh, thank you for all the birthday wishes. Right. Um, but I was going through and I would click like and thanks. But every time I, I did it, that person, a memory came to mind of that person. Mm. Because in general, you know, I don't, I don't, how to, I'm not out just liking or, you know, accepting friends from everybody, you know. Mm. Um, so I've actually had an interaction with most of the people that yeah, I'm friends, friends with on Facebook. So it's kind of cool to, you know, to a memory go by and like, oh, yeah, I remember that person. They did this or the, like a memory of, of all mm. of them. Yeah, mind. social media has the ability yeah. to So it can be good, but, you know. Yeah. Being in the music industry, so I know you, on your Kickstarter video, you lost your voice. I did. Um, flushed it down the toilet or something? or Totally. Just... just accidentally one day. <laughs> and it just went away. And For sure. obviously, with even as you've talked about what you, you're dealing with, now take that away. Like, this is how I'm able to express myself and now I can't. So I guess talk to me about that. How'd you, how'd you get through that? Around that time, I had been lying to my parents about something in my life for several years. It was a boy and I'd been communicating with him for years. My parents know everything about me Mm -hmm. and they know everything. And that was the one thing that I held them from knowing about. Over time that affected me. And I, I, I just really don't lie about that kind of stuff. I don't, really have anything to lie about <laughs> um other than like little white lies like mm-hmm. who stole the cookie from the cookie jar you know right. who me 
So that was affecting me. But, you know, around that time I started college um, and I was in a, a, a music program that just reminded me of the fact that I couldn't sing because I so I feel like I'm not filling a lot of gaps in. But basically, um, when I went back to Florida, I made some decisions with this boy that were not good for me. And I came back and told my parents nothing happened, and that was not the truth. And I was 17, and it was just so much emotion. Like, I my, I was in private school my whole life. I did online school. I was so sheltered and, like, and like at a flood of emotion. A new experience that just happened to me, and I did not know how to process that. Didn't ha- have anybody to go to. Didn't tell anyone for months. And at around that time, I started college went out to The Voice in California, and I was, I think because of the shame that I was feeling for those decisions, and I started to notice that my voice, I couldn't hit the notes that I'd always been capable of, and when I went out to The Voice, I made it, and then they ended up cutting me two weeks later, Mm. so then that really discouraged me, and then while I was in college, I met an individual who ended up, like, I don't think I've ever talked about this, but he, like, assaulted me, and that was, like, probably, that was the tipping point Mm. of, of, everything that was a tipping point and um that's probably when things were the worst and all of those things that i just talked about were over the span of a year there were lots of other things that had transpired but i'm like i fell off horse and ripped my rotator cuff and it was just like it was just altogether a bad year i just i literally could not sing i went to ears nose and throat doctors got tested for allergies i ended up getting mono from this boy who assaulted me and my tonsils were huge and i had had steroids for it and then they thought i could have like you know um issues with my vocal cords like either Mm. like um freaking polyps or something but Mm -hmm. i was fine i didn't have my vocal cords were healthy and over time i learned i went to a vocal therapist and she was like, there, there's not anything wrong with your voice. It's a shame. And she advised me to like go see a holistic doctor. Cause you know, she said that a lot of people hold stress in just different parts of their body. And, um, what I think, or really what I know to be true now is that I think I had so much shame and pain and lies that had accumulated for years, um, wrapped up in my ability to talk and sing that, uh, it just, it couldn't happen. I couldn't talk or sing anymore. Like whenever I even went to talk, I would literally have to like raise my neck just to get words out. Cause I felt like someone was strangling me all the time. Um, someone told me like you yeah. had chains wrapped around your neck and I was like, I definitely did. Which it was kind of like your own chain and yes, your own struggling of your For sure. So after it got to, you know, a bad enough point for me to realize that, you know, if I kept keep you know keeping it all in um I probably would have just like gave up I went to my mom which was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life and I told her everything and then I felt the Lord telling me to do that it was necessary started getting into therapy the Lord told me to tell my dad and I was like oh god dad you know I don't want to tell my dad anything and uh, I told him everything that, that was probably like if there's one experience I've had with my father that I'll remember forever is um you know me and my dad, even though we're, we're like the same people, so we click in thousands of ways, and then we butt head in mm-hmm. 2,000 ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was very fearful of coming to him with just the problems that I had accumulated over time. And uh, if there was one time that I experienced, I feel truly like Christ's love and my earthly father's love. It was that that mm-hmm. time, and I felt nothing but the love of the father and my, my earthly father. So... We grew from that. I grew from that. And through therapy and months and months of healing, 
um, and still wondering if music was even something God was wanting me to do anymore. Like, you know, I had been healed. I had asked for my parents' forgiveness. I had asked for the Lord's forgiveness. And to this day, I feel like I still always am asking for myself forgive forgiveness, you know, giving myself grace. I still couldn't sing. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I mean, getting far enough away from the things that had transpired, I noticed that I was able to start hitting notes again. I started writing again. My voice just got stronger and stronger. So, and now we're here today. The one thing that sticks out to me was in a moment of shame and holding everything in and not wanting to disappoint the people that you love the most, your parents, who it's almost like, you know, you running from God, like, He's like, I'm here, you right. know, and it's like, but, I, but I, but I, but I'm, I'm shameful. I don't want to talk, but it's like, he's like, but I, I know, like <laughs> I know. Right? right. But the fact that you said, all right, you got to that point of despair and you were yeah. transparent. Yeah. And I think that I, I've seen that in, you know, a, a life close to me getting to the point to where they're like, finally, like it got bad enough that they reached out yet. It doesn't have to get that bad. You know, if you have the people in your life, yes. you've, I mean, I, and I know in, in talking about it, it's so much easier said than done, you know, and listening, you talk about the, cause I'm thinking about all those experiences and you're talking about how you feel the emotion so deep. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, I feel it, but I don't have, I struggle with empathy, which mm. I think probably stems from the yeah. lack of love and the lack of trust. Sure stuff. thing. But I'm able to just like ignore it, move <laughs> on. But yet the reality is, is I need to go on the other side of it. You need to actually experience more of those feelings yeah. because you can't relate to other people that are struggling with that. Sure thing. But I think that's key is that, you know, of just not hiding from the people that are there the most to talk to you to help you to pull you to walk with you you know yeah absolutely that's definitely a hurdle that that i struggle with because i have a strong uh, strong it's called i have a song called the strong ones and uh it's about my um like kind of that despair moment where um i you know for like uh several weeks in my life at the point of my breaking point i would say uh like i would drive to the natchez trace parkway to jump i always god brought me people like angels to talk to me I truly believe that because I never, never was alone on that bridge. And the song that I wrote, it says, So I'll watch that sad sunset past the concrete ledge. I came here to take that step, but somehow I don't. I see all of the strong ones who thought they could do it alone. And meaning, uh, like, I see, you know, people who tend, like myself, tend to keep things in um, mm-hmm. because they want to be strong for themselves and strong for other people, keep this ideal version of themselves presented to the world, Yes. Um, end up being the ones who who break. That That is definitely me. Like, I so badly want to be the, the Carmen that most people see on an everyday basis, which is, like, the happy, joyful one who's, like, constantly smiling and, you know, has everything to say and is so empathetic and loving. But, like, I can be so empathetic to people and so loving and caring and considerate of everyone else. Mm-hmm. But me, it's right. like, right. no, no mercy, no grace, no empathy. So... I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, the funny thing is I listened to this other podcast called Unspoken. You should check mm-hmm. it out. It's really good. Um, I mean, they dive into the stories and the struggles and stuff like that. And so I have a list of questions. Love it. And, and yet 
I like the idea of kind of leaning in, you know, sure. and going, all right, so where does this go? You know? Right. So, I mean, really, I think a lot of, like, I guess what, what's encouragement, what would you tell people? And it's not only the music industry, but anything they're pursuing that they feel a calling hmm. or a purpose, hmm. which I think, you know, when you have that defining moment, yet you even put more pressure on yourself, not you, but people in general. Sure thing. Um, but even in, in Nashville, where there's so much musical talent and you have young people that, you know, are trying to make it. Um, and like two women I interviewed the other day, like just hearing their story, you know, there was like, and you see so many trying to make it that it's almost, sometimes it's kind of sad and, and <laughs> like, you want to be like, okay, maybe you're just not going to make it and you just move on and do something else. But then right. I think I'm like, man, if you like had this purpose, not even, a, I wouldn't say a purpose, but like a passion for being a drummer yet, you really need to go make an income for your family. It's like, it'd be tough to let that go. Absolutely. But so I guess what's the encouragement you would give, you know, people trying to pursue music and finding that balance between, you yeah. know, not perfection or discouragement or, you know. Yeah. If there is one thing that I feel like I have, I feel like I've healed from to an extent to where it's not something that I struggle with regularly anymore. It's my relationship with my music. Um, one thing during my year of silence that I feel like God taught me, brought me through was how much of an identity I placed in my music and how that was who I was. And when it was gone, what did I have left? What did I have to offer? And in that year, I learned that my identity solely lies in my relationship with Christ and that my purpose and my gift that I have in this world is to have a divine relationship with that I actively get to cultivate with the Lord every day. Landman's terms, like easier way to explain this. I think that one thing that I had to do every night when I was unable to sing was just pick up my guitar in my room and struggle. And the Lord told me that if I kept you here for the rest of your life in your bedroom every night after an eight hour shift, and this is where you praised me, this is where you worshiped and you used your gift. Is that enough? Cause he doesn't, he never promised me to put me on a pedestal. He never promised me that I'd win a Grammy award or I would have a publishing deal or et cetera, et cetera. He promised me an eternal life and grace and everything that comes after that, that falls after that is just blessings and icing on the cake, if you will. So I would say that two things, one music if you are pursuing it and if it's something that you're passionate about and you feel like it is a gift, whether you have a relationship with God and you feel like that's something that you've been given by whoever or whatever, or whatever you believe in, um, and you just want to pursue that. Or if you are a faith-based person and you feel that you've been given a gift by God, is that that gift, you need to be okay with it being something that's just for you first. If it's something that, that inspires and helps you, then that needs to be first and foremost okay if it's always just for you and no one, no one else. Two would be, my second piece of advice for that would be if and when God or whatever you believe in chooses to say, hey, 
you know, pursue this actively, be passionate about it. You know, faith without action is dead. Go out, share your music, share your testimony. Um, be what we've talked about this entire time is be transparent, be vulnerable, um, because there is nothing more profitable than being open. Like, I completely believe in that. Um, you know, I think there's a reason why pop music is so, like, conveyor belt, where there's always new music that's out and being absorbed. Like, we can we can think of artists that have stood the test of time. Like, I think people like Bob Dylan, um, who, whether you agree with his politics or not, like, he was very honest in his writing. He was very open about his emotions and feelings. Thus, like, he has stood the test of time. People like him, who have been transparent will be remembered forever because he's human. Like, don't mask your humanity for, like, commercial value. Like, mm -hmm. just show up and be yourself. One of my favorite, my one of my good friends in town and, uh, like, one of my favorite artists, his name's Jordy Searcy. Ceres He'd be great to have on the podcast. But he um, has a song called Like Jesus to You. And uh, literally... The first verse says, if you're gay and over 85 and you've been told that your whole life that when God made you, he just messed up. If you were born and raised a Southern Belle, born and bred for show and tell, but you lie down feeling never good enough. I'm so sorry for all the wrong wrongs. Um, we're broken artists with broken songs. We paint our pride and call it truth. I'm so sorry no one explained Jesus. And um, I've heard him play that song on multiple occasions live. And his fan base is like, it's not Christian, secular. That's his one like faith driven mm -hmm. song mm -hmm. and he goes in the middle of the crowd every night no microphone and he stands there and then he sings amazing grace at the end and even mm -hmm. now it just like kind of makes me emotional yeah. but everyone in that crowd feels the holy spirit and feels something inside of them like well up we numb our hearts so much whether it's social media whether it's with like friends and and love um or you know substances you know authenticity is the one thing that makes us all feel so connected because at the end of the day we all feel the same things mm -hmm. if you're a musician like find what's true to you find what speaks to you and sing about it because people will literally just surround you and listen yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I'm sitting there thinking, gosh, this is a 20 year old. Listen to the wisdom. <laughs> I mean, really, it's 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 awesome. And that's in all this of coming to this point. This is like right now. One of the reasons why it's like, OK, God, so why did I go through that? To share. <laughs> right. To be transparent. Absolutely. And it, and it just makes me think it's like, man, give give your kids a voice. And then even too, you know, like. I think have a constant conversation that you don't have to be perfect, Absolutely. you know, because you had some awesome parents, it sounds like, but yet because they were so awesome, you put this pressure on you, right? For sure. And, and they weren't aware about it or aware of it, you For know? Sure. And so having that, that conversation that like. Parenting's a rough job. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I, I tell somebody the other day, I said, you know, and yeah, your kids, they're like, Mine are different. We don't know where Hudson lies yet, but, you know, Grandma and I, buttheads. <laughs> right. Bryce and Mom, buttheads. Right. And it's interesting in, in multiple kids, like, that's kind of how it happens. And so, like, I've going through that, that journey of love. It's like, all right, middle child. I was a middle <laughs> child. And I have to work harder at loving, you know, Graham. Um, because, again, we just buttheads, but... The reality is, is he just wants my love. But I think it's taking those those moments with your kids and like, hey, look, 
it's great if you have a 4.0, but if you don't, it's okay. Yeah. You, you know, just work hard, but give yourself grace. I was reading a book um, by Scott Hamilton and mm-hmm. um, finished first really mm-hmm. good book. And, uh, and as I'm reading some of these chapters, Bryce had, he tried to run for like a political thing with BizTown, and he didn't get it, but he didn't give it. He could have worked much harder in it. And so it's like having that conversation of like, you got to acknowledge that you could have done better, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, life goes on, learn from it, move on. Don't get stuck in mm-hmm. that rut. Yeah. You know? So as y'all hear this conversation, whoever is listening, know that, you know, this is a 20 year old with the wisdom that she's walked through. Um, and know that there's people in your lives that you can learn from. You can be inspired Absolutely. from, you know, regardless of how old you are or how young you are. You yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty Age awesome. is but a number. It is. Very much so. And, of course, sometimes it takes yeah, in a lot of takes cases. time. <laughs> well, you got to get older to realize that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, with friends that I have, I'll think, oh, they're like this age or this age. And even from a comparison standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the music and you're like, oh boy. God, look at what so-and-so is doing. It's yeah. like, well, hold on, though. Let's Vicious. put it into perspective. Don't they say comparison is the, the thief of joy? Yeah, I would yeah. say so. It sounds For right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is Is in, in those moments of like, like just stop and reflect. Okay. Yeah. One, you have no idea how that person got there, how hard they work. Absolutely. None of that, you know? Mm-mm. So, all right. So. Last question, because I'm excited to hear some songs from you. Yes. Um, from the great words of Paul in Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. When your journey is over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Oh, I love that verse. Uh, so I heard this the other day, and it was um, it's really good. I hope that when I enter into heaven... I will enter with empty hands and that all the gifts that God has given me, I've used and I have nothing but myself to offer to him. I just want to love people where they're at. Um, You know, I'm a young life leader or I was a young life leader and I'm so passionate about like people my my age or younger than me um, because for so long I didn't know there was hope and that I could share my heart with my friends and my parents. And uh, if I would have known sooner, one, I wouldn't have learned and I would have grown into the person I am today. But two, um, it, it may have been a little bit easier for me. The load could have been alleviated if I had the tools to share and the freedom to know that it's okay to be broken. So um, you were talking about how your niece and try to, you know, slowly try to peel the onion back to get Mm -hmm. to to know it. Like I was young life leader, um, one entire school year and the past couple months. And then I've stepped away after an entire, almost a half a year of being a young life leader. Um, it, it took me till the end for my group of girls to open up to me. And when they did, (laughs) oh gosh, it was like two hours of just nonstop mm. tears from them. It was that way because I think they all had held it in for so long. Right. Um, and it was just this like literal like flood of emotion that had poured out in that room that one night, this night that I had sp- spoke to them at camp. When I meet God, I just hope that all the tools that he's given to me with myself and with others that I've used them all. Um, and that he can look at me and say, well done, faithful and good servant. So 
Yeah, that's awesome. I told Carmen before I think I think before we started the podcast that her um, PR person had reached out and said, <laughs> "Hey, I think Carmen would be a good fit, you know, for your Nashville Untold." And I initially thought I said, "Oh, that'd be cool, you know, she can maybe just play a song." And you know, I could do a little short interview because she's twenty. <laughs> I mean, not so much of an exciting story, maybe with the twenty-year-old. Sure. sure. And so then I listened to her Kickstarter video, and I mean, it it had some. I had a couple of tear moments, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I bet no, she could have something. And I think mm-hmm. that's a part of you know going, all right, God. So yeah, and this totally confirmed like from a interview you know you got stories that people live that are fun and exciting and nuggets but <laughs> i think that you know a lot of people are in similar spots in life and if not you know dig a little deeper in you and challenge sure. yourself you know to grow i agree you know. i think we all have the capacity to be open and vulnerable mm-hmm. it's just that we need to learn how to be okay with that right and how to communicate those emotions because i yeah. feel like that's when true freedom mm-hmm. like can reign over your life again it just that's what you did with your parents i mean you know shame and you finally spoke sure. it, and it was like okay it was I can huge breathe burden. Now, oh my gosh you know bags off my shoulders yeah so yeah. that's awesome so thank you for sharing and um totally looking forward to hearing some of the songs that that story um inspired so thank you all right wow i left that interview thinking that was a good one that goes to show age does not limit a story we all have a story and there is always someone that could benefit from it if you're stuck focused on you reach out don't be afraid there are people that want to help and walk with you through the process of healing and recovery Carmen's songs really do not need an intro because they came directly from her story. Next week, make sure to tune in as I sit down with Stephen Rose from the Peach Truck. Let's just say, if you have not tried a peach from the Peach Truck, you're seriously missing out. I've had the pleasure of taking a tour of Pearson Farms in Fort Valley, Georgia, where the peaches come from, and tasting some yummy homemade ice cream and peach cobbler as well while I'm down there. Stephen's story will inspire you to stop dreaming about what you want to do and go do it. Sometimes it is one thought that can inspire a business, but it is fear and a lack of action that keeps us stuck in that thought phase. He'll inspire you to take the next step to your dream. Thanks for your time today. If you enjoyed this story, take a listen to some of the other episodes because they all have a great story to share. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Carmen and where you can find her playing in Nashville and other cities and also show notes for more of the details that were um, talked about on the uh, show. As far as the sponsors, if you have not picked up on it yet, I'm a realtor in the Nashville area with a focus on residential real estate and real estate investing. I'd be happy to help you with your real estate needs. You can also give Brandon Hutchison a call with the Legacy Mutual Mortgage for all of your lender needs and Limestone Title and Escrow for any title needs. Now, turn up the volume and enjoy some beautiful words from Carmen.
the sun, new songs to be sung. The light through my window pane sneaks past the shades and kisses my face. Warm air brushes my skin. Just to let it sink in That I woke up today I see you in every place I don't know why But it feels like grace Cause I woke up today Speeds up and slows down while the world spins around. Warm feet touch the
We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.